Hello and welcome to the Nickel Independent Film Podcast, a new podcast series from your friends here at the Nickel Independent Film Festival. I'm your host, Devin Shears, and before we launch into our first episode and our first guest, thought I would just quickly explain, you know, what it is you're watching or listening to right now. Uh, this is a bi-weekly interview series with independent filmmakers from, you know, Newfoundland, Labrador, rest of Canada, anywhere in the world, really, about what inspires them, motivates them, keeps them returning to making independent films. We, we spoke with a lot of filmmakers during our festival this last July, and it was just such a pleasure, you know, reaching out and speaking to all these people from around the world about their craft that we thought we would, you know, start doing it all the time. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for, for tuning in. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you can head over to watch.eventive.org forward slash Nickel Festival to see a video version of this podcast and also to watch some of the films by the filmmaker um, in question that we're speaking with. So uh, for the week that the podcast is out, so in this case, if you're listening to this episode, um, the weeks, uh, in the week of October 7th to October 13th, you can go and see some of the films of Jerry Rogers for free. So we definitely encourage people to do that. They're incredible films. And if you're watching that right now, uh, if you just are on the event of page and you're watching this, if you want to listen to this podcast, you can head over to uh, your podcast app of choice, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything, and uh, you should be able to find us there. So without further ado, uh, I, I, I'm super, I was so fortunate for this first episode to be able to speak with Jerry Rogers. Some of you might know Jerry originally as a uh, politician. She was an MHA here in Newfoundland Labrador for the NDP for a number of years. Uh, but before that, she was a, a documentary filmmaker. And she made uh, a, a number of just, just intensely vulnerable, personable, personal sorry, documentaries um, that I think were really, you know, at the time, quite groundbreaking. You, know, you weren't really seeing people uh, yet make films sort of as up close and personal in the way that she was, because, I mean, in a lot of the ways, there was a lot of new technology going around. We talked a little bit about that in the episode. But, um, yeah, it was such a joy to talk to her. Uh, if you haven't watched her films yet, and like I said, it's the week of October 7th when you're listening to this, Head on over to watch.eventive.org forward slash Nickel Festival. We'll have a link in the description of the podcast. And uh, check out, uh, we've got three of our films available there. My Left Breast, Pleasant Street, and Fair and Girl on the Road, all of which we talk about in this interview. So I'd really encourage you to go check those out. Uh, but yeah, without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to, well, uh, myself again and my interview with Jerry Rogers. So, uh, do you drink decaf? No, I, sometimes I, I, it, I just don't drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. I, I will just drink, I will just, just occasionally, you know, have yeah. a, have a, have just a regular coffee. Yeah. And allow myself to sort of submit to yeah. <laughs> sort of chaos comes with it. Yeah. Just one second. I have a feeling I'm, I'm dreadfully out of frame in this you shot. Want me to look for yeah, you? Actually, if you don't mind, that would be, okay, be great. Thank you. Uh, I figured I was probably right about there. Shoot up. Let's bring the, let's raise the camera a bit. Raise it up? Oh yes, yeah. so we can... Uh, this, this way? Yes, or no, maybe the top one. Can I do your leg? Mm -hmm. Please do. The nice thing about making this with filmmakers. <laughs> thanks, for, uh, thanks for talking to me today, Jerry. 
Happy uh, to. Really excited, really so excited to be sharing your films. The last time I guess we kind of spoke, at least like more formally, was in a room with people. <laughs> right, that's pre-COVID. Just barely. I know, yeah, we showed yes. My Left Breast at the LSPU Hall. I think it was like end of February or something. Yep. And um, yeah, looking back, what a what a nice thing to, <laughs> to have done so shortly before everything shut down. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's so here we are. It's what, September 20-something or other. So March, April, May, June, July, August, September, six months in, right? Yeah. But uh, it's almost like I can't reach back and feel what it was like pre-COVID. Yeah, it's uh, it feels like, like the the fact that we did that this year feels it feels like a million years yeah. ago. Yeah, um, but I super, we're super excited to uh, share some of this work again now uh, online with people because I know well I know that at the screening so many people were like were really because they want like they wanted to see Pleasant Street then they wanted to see all this stuff because it's been yeah. a while. Um, I guess yeah my my first question is what's it like you know having people like well, like when you've been away from from work for a while and especially work you're so personally close to what's it like how like the idea of having people see it again well i was i first of all i was so honored and, and uh, so grateful that that the that the nickel wanted to show it i i was I was really pumped about that because it has been a while since I've been at a screening where there have been real live warm bodies. Um, and a lot of people have known me in the past eight years as a politician and not as a filmmaker. And I've been a filmmaker for 30 years and it's, it's so much ingrained in who I am and um, so but watching my left breast with an audience, I just realized, you know, I, I, when I was making films, I was making films with professional crews, I was actually making films with film, you know, like with real film and with a, you know, with a lighting person and sound recordist and boom uh, operator, the big crews. And this was the first time that I made a film with just a little prosumer camera and Peggy and myself in terms of shooting it. Yeah. So, and you know, technically it's, it's a bit of a dog's breakfast, but somehow it really worked and we never would have been able to make the film that it was yeah. any other way. It had to be done that way. And also it was the first of the films like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because I mean, now you look at something, you look at something like YouTube or, or something where like people all the time are making like, like essentially personal, like, like what is a vlog if not like a personal short film or something, you know? Yeah. And yeah, and, and, and it's, it's, uh, um, yeah, like, like how many people at that time were making films like that, you know? Like, Probably Everybody, not many. Yeah, everybody's afraid whether or not there was a boom shot or whether the sound levels were right and let's do that again and it was none of that. And um, and I had never shot before. I mean, I always worked with a great, with great cinematographers, but uh, to watch it again in a room full of people and to realize that it still resonated with people. So much. Yeah. yeah, and people cried and they yeah. laughed and they cried and they laughed and 
I, I, I have to say thank you so much for oh. allowing me that opportunity once again. It's oh, great. Oh, so grateful to the, that you would let us share it. Because I, I, you know, I remember, um, like I was pretty young when, when those films came out. But I definitely remember like the, that they were kind of the first films I was aware of that like, oh, this is like a, a, a film someone made in Newfoundland. Like, right. like you know, and so um, being able to, to go back and watch them now has, has actually been, been really special. So yeah, uh, I'd love to, to talk about what, you know, like you said, you know, you had, you already had all this experience in filmmaking. Yeah. And you know, what kind of, when you when you went to make my left breast, you know, which is kind of the first of of, of these very you know, personal films that you made, personal documentaries you made, um, what 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 was your kind of mentality going into making that film? Uh, I didn't know if it was going to be the last film I ever made. Um, the you know my diagnosis wasn't that great for my breast cancer, and also um, I I had looked for films around about breast cancer and all I could find were films that were rah rah re I'm going to beat this cancer or really medical films and that's not what I was looking for I had so much ambivalence about the treatments but um, and I was afraid and I felt alone in some ways even though Peg my partner was you know just fabulous and I had such a great uh, community of friends but still you feel that kind of in the middle of the night that aloneness and that loneliness. Uh, so I wanted to find something that would speak to that and I couldn't find it. So I thought, well, I'm gonna make the film that I needed. Also, to, to do art was an incredible act of, of defiance, yeah. of pushback. And- um, Did it feel therapeutic? Like, in the, in, in, oh, like yeah. while making it, it was just like, I don't like this outlet, I guess, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, you know, you have no, I realized going through, you know, I did six months of grueling chemo and then radiation after, and I had surgery prior to that. And I realized that no matter how much you pay for that ultra control hair gel, you have no control. Mm -hmm. You just have no control. And this was one way of having a little bit of control with what was happening in my life. And, you know, for me, documentaries are about taking people places where they might not have the opportunity to go. So it's to go to a new place. And this was a new place for me. And I wanted to take other people mm -hmm. to that place as well, in a way that you couldn't go to on your own. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, of course, and then, I mean, and then you provide like that similar outlet in, in the next film in Pleasant Street, yeah? Um, which I, you know, well, we talked about, we did the screening of My Left Breast earlier in the year, so, so I'd seen that earlier in the year, but, um, and was very moved and affected by that. And then, yeah, la last night, rewatched Pleasant Street, which I, I, I know I, I saw, I remember, I, especially rewatching it, I could remember a lot of it as I was going through it, but I remember watching it on CBC back when I was younger, but oh my God, that's a, that's a, that film is a, even thinking about it now, it's like so, uh, uh, there's so much like joy and life in that film and it's, and, you know, but it's also really challenging. What was it like making, like, t like it's one thing to 
you know, be sharing your own story. Yep. And, and it's another thing, of course, to be sharing these other people's stories. Can you talk, talk a little bit about what that was like? Yeah, well, you know, it really is. Pleasant Street and was about how do you live fully while you're dying, you mm -hmm. know? And, and how it came about, uh, I ended up having another mastectomy. And um, then I had complications, huge infections. It was awful. So I was in the hospital. And across the hall from me was Lita Finlayson. Mm -hmm gorgeous young woman in her early 30s who had just been diagnosed with melanoma and up the hall from me in the hospital was Kenny Ken and he um, had just been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and they were both each given six months to live and we only discovered that Lita actually lived across the street from me on Pleasant Street and Ken lived up the street from me on Pleasant Street and um, I knew people in common with each of them. So I visited them and they were, and I said, I think if I hadn't made my own film, if I hadn't made My Left Breast, mm -hmm. which was such a, a help to me, I would not have been able to go as far as we did with Pleasant Street in yeah. terms of saying, you know, this is what the experience was like for me to make uh, My Left Breast. It really helped me through it. Do you folks want to make a film? Mm -hmm. And I saw it not making a film about Lita, uh, it's, and, and it's Ken Hickey, and not making a film about Ken, but actually making a film with them. Yeah, you really, like, I, I think throughout like, all of your films, there is like really this sense of collaboration oh, with, yeah. with your subjects in, in a way that like you don't always get in documentary, you know? You know, sometimes you watch a documentary and you can kind of feel the distance, feel like yes. there's a subject here and a filmmaker over here. But with yours, um, and there's also just this great sense of community too, especially in Pleasant Street. Like, yeah. you know, all those shots of, of, of yeah, you know. so much fun. Yeah, well, that's the, is that, is that what you, is that how you're thinking when you're going into these films? Well, you know, I, I, I filmmaking is really all about relationships mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's about trust. Mm -hmm. And so it's, about relationships and trust while you're making the film, while you're shooting. But then it's about that afterwards in post as well. With you know, Terry Nash cut both of those films. And she is brilliant. Mm -hmm. She's absolutely brilliant. And I never do a paper cut. I never do a paper log with a cut. I sit in the room with the editor. We watch all the footage together and mm -hmm. say, okay, what do we have here? Because, you know, some people, uh, write documentaries and yeah. go out and shoot it yeah. whereas for me it's a journey and if there's no surprise if it's not taking you anywhere you didn't expect to go mm -hmm. then what's the point you know write a book or make a, a pamphlet or something yeah sure um, so uh, it the 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 shooting that the, that part of the filmmaking is really about discovery, it's about relationship, it's about trust, it's about what's going to happen. Yeah. What's going to happen when we get together? And what are, where, where is Lita going to take us? Yeah. And where is Ken going to take us? And for me it was about also providing opportunities for yeah. them to share what they want to share and for me also to help, help them get somewhere. And, and I think that that's so important. And then in post, Working with someone like like Terry Nash, who's you know, she's not a cutter. 
Yeah. She's really part of shaping and forming the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she's so brilliant. And um, and you never know where that's going to go as well. And, and and you know both films are like a, they're like a narrative. Mm -hmm. They're scenes that take us somewhere. Um, but both and and I think both Ken and Lita were really happy to have had that opportunity yeah. and it's part of their legacy and i mean yeah well that's the thing especially like as um like is ken still working no ken died uh, now about 10 years ago oh, okay I, I i wasn't sure he was only supposed to live six months and yeah. he lived almost 10 years that's amazing yeah well but, but, but only all i was going to say was especially you know as as you go through the film and you realize that you know lita doesn't have very much time it's um i don't know it, it's it, it's a very uh very very beautiful <laughs> like i, I really i yeah. really say, I, say I was as i was watching it last she night she gave really, us a gift truly truly is a gift yeah um you know that someone was so open and candid about their life as it was so yeah you know going leaving her you know it was, yeah. it's a it's a heartbreaking film. But, and yeah. you know, she, and she loved fashion and she loved mm -hmm. beauty. And so when she said, I, I'd like to do a little fashion yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's so authentic. Yeah. Because it comes from her. Yeah. And you know, like one of the surprises for me was with Ken going for a walk in, in uh, Bowering Park. And you know, his partner was so, uh, Rolanda, his wife, she was so open as well. Yeah. But when Ken starts, he wants to feed the ducks and they all come to him and all of a sudden he gets afraid. <laughs> and, and so this was no longer about feeding the ducks. Yeah. It was about how he, the, what he was going through with the cancer and his illness, how it made him feel so vulnerable. Yeah. And so those those kinds of moments when you're making a documentary are gems yeah because they take you it's not the duck feeding it's yeah. into his heart truly they're so open to you like, like it's it's um yeah you can tell there's, there's there's no i don't know like like i am I'm, I'm sure it's a mix of things i'm sure it's a testament of course to your abilities to connect to people as a filmmaker you know where they're at with you know this 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 brutal illness that they're, that they're facing um yeah it's it's a it's a really really it's a really incredible film um and i think and especially w with my left breast you know it's like yeah there's I, I don't know i don't know if i've seen many um stories about cancer that are as frank uh and 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 heartbreaking as 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 those films um, but also very uplifting. Also, yeah, you know, very like, you laugh. Yes, yeah, they're really funny. Yeah. And so, in real, in, in you know, in reality, they're really not about cancer. They're about yeah. love and mm -hmm. life, and like you say, community. Yes. Because both of them really involve a lot about community, and and I think, you know, a lot of the films that I have done are about that. Mm -hmm. You know, our resilience when faced with some really tough stuff, mm -hmm. and how does that how does community express itself or support that? How do we change? Mm -hmm. You know, they're really like making making a good film is a lot of work. Making a bad film is a lot of work. <laughs> Unfortunately, making any kind of film is really <laughs> yeah. a lot of work. It's going to be hard no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah, it takes as much work to make a bad film as a good film. Yeah. But um, it's um, if if it's not about 
you know, it's really how, how hokey it sounds. If it's not about changing our world or making our world a better place. Yeah, sure. Why do it? Yeah. You know, it, it, and, but, but I also very much support, you know, art for art's sake. But what is art for art's sake? Yeah. I think art is always about taking us somewhere. Uh-huh. Uh, sometimes surprising us or sometimes holding a mirror to our face uh, holding it up to us or and sometimes it's it's about challenging and poking and like how lucky how yeah. lucky are we to be able to do that like uh-huh. how really lucky i feel so yeah. fucking lucky well and like you know going back to just like the technology alone you know like you 10 years before or maybe not 10 years but 20 years or so before you made these films it really would not have been, you wouldn't have been able to have had the access or, or, or anything the way that you did. Yeah. Um, you know, which is like, I think a testament to the, also just, you know, that you, that people can share their stories so, so easily through yeah. this way. I did, a, yeah. I did a film that was actually shot on 16 millimeter about Kathleen Shannon, who was the founder of Studio D at the film board. Mm. Studio D was the first uh, publicly funded feminist, feminist filmmaking unit in the world. Mm -hmm. And so many great films came out of there, films that just really pushed the boundaries. And uh, I did a film, they asked me, Kathleen had retired and they asked me to make a film Mm. about Kathleen. And so she was living in the interior of BC. And um, so, you know, there was a sound recorder, a boom holder, Mm -hmm. a camera, a cinematographer, a camera assistant. It was all women, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point, uh, a sound recordist asked Kathleen a, a question, and she ended up in the shot. People saying, "Well, you can't, you can't do that." <laughs> and I thought, this is perfectly wonderful. Yeah. And if, let's make sure she's in the shot because we're talking about women and filmmaking. Let's take down this artifice of that. There's no one behind, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah. And um, and I remember, you know, the criticism about that. And I thought, oh, this totally makes sense. Yeah. It just makes sense. And to be able to be open to breaking the rules, because mm-hmm. a lot of us didn't make the rules, particularly Truly. women, and yeah. you know, feminists. And is there, a, you know always is there a different way of making films do we have a different gaze as women do we have a different gaze Don't yeah um what, 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 so what what interested you in filmmaking initially what brought you to filmmaking in the first place yeah well um i i love stories mm-hmm. and i'm really curious really yeah. really curious <laughs> yeah. and um i was working at the women's center here in st john's that would have been in the early 80s mm-hmm. And uh, there was a crew from a CBC news program. Was it Man Alive? Maybe it was Man Alive, I don't know. And they wanted to do, uh, they had a new program where they would go in and make a, a film in a, you know, sort of a, 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 an infer, a film for CBC for this program, Man Alive, in different communities in, across the country. So they contacted us. And we, the issue that we wanted to address was the fact that women who are on income support, if they had a boyfriend, mm-hmm. there would be inspectors going around looking in their closets to see if there was men's clothing in that. Yeah. And then they would cut them off from income support, from welfare it was called at the time. And so that's the, the, the show that we wanted uh, 
the issue that we wanted covered in this show. And I thought, you know what? We should be doing this. Mm -hmm. Not some crew full of guys from Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> and um, there were no women uh, in film at the time in Newfoundland Labrador, except Anne McLeod, who was doing great animation, but really there were no women actually making films. And um, then a, a film from the Studio D called Not A Love Story was going across the country. And it's at a time when the film board would show films in community halls and church basements on 16 millimeter. And so Kathleen Shannon, who was executive director of Studio D, came with Not A Love Story. And uh, because I was working at the Women's Center, I arranged all the community screenings and the media, et cetera. And I started talking to her about issues like it was it was at a time before uh, the issue of child sexual abuse or domestic violence was out there in the public agenda it was denied it was covered all the time I mean now you can't open a TV or a radio or a newspaper without seeing something mm -hmm. but then nobody talked about it and women would come to the women's center looking for help and um, and feeling so alone so I started talking to her about some of those issues saying we need to be making films about this stuff mm -hmm. and that women from Newfoundland need to be. And so uh, a few months later, she contacted me and gave me a job. She made me an offer I neither could understand or, nor refuse. So I packed up a, one bag and moved to Montreal and worked at Studio D, had no background in film, mm -hmm. no technical background. And then I was a program producer of the Federal Women's Film Program, which was a a national program that was a training and production and distribution program for women in film. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started. But I was itching to tell stories. Yeah. Do you think those same impulses led you to politics eventually as well? You know what? It's funny <laughs> because um, when I first went door to door when I ran, well, you know, I was kind of pissed off with what was happening with the province. And I knew that I didn't see myself there in terms of, I'm uh, out lesbian, uh, you know, middle-aged woman, almost a middle-aged woman at the time, uh, a feminist. I didn't see myself mm -hmm. in that House of Assembly. And I thought, our House of Assembly has to be reflective of who we are as a province. So I got really pissed off. So uh, going door to door, I went on my 55th birthday was the first mm -hmm. day I went door to door. And when you think of it, it's like, it was like making a documentary film. Mm. You're knocking on the door. You don't know what's going to happen when you open that door. But you have to listen. Yeah. And I just kept gathering stories. And you listen with the intent to really hear. And then you clear a space so that stories, those stories can emerge. And that's, that's like making a, a film. And uh, yeah. that's what it was. Um, and again, to effect some kind of change and to take us to places where we may not. I remember one night going door to door and Bill Rowe had the night open line show on VOCM. And he called me. I had just finished going through an apartment building where there were tons of seniors mm -hmm. and people with disabilities who were so had such challenges and so little money and having such a hard time. And I sat in a stairwell doing an interview with him and talking about what I had seen that night. Mm. And I thought, I want to do this. 
Mm. And you know, it, and, and, and I've, I've always been very interested in policy and, um, and how you affect change. And as a feminist activist, as a queer activist, like how do we affect change? How do we change laws? How do we change policies? And um, yeah, so that's, it was a bit of an extension there yeah. for a while. But uh, you know, I, I was in there for almost eight years and now I have a few more films I want to make. Well, I'm, I'm so excited to, to uh, uh, well, we can talk about that in a second. For, first though, I would be remiss if, I, if we didn't talk about Farron as well. Oh yeah. Um, because um, I, also, I also watched that film last night. Yeah. Um, and I shamefully had never heard of her before. But what a what an incredible artist! What an incredible songwriter! How did you? Uh, how did that film come about? How did that happen? Well, I um, I've known Farron's music for years. Mm -hmm. It was sort of you know Farron was the soundtrack to the lives of many many lesbians mm -hmm. in the '70s and the '80s, and her music. Oh man, her music is so incredible. But she was an out dyke. Yeah. You know, when it wasn't okay and cool to be that. And she did have a, a, a major, uh, she had a, a, a deal with, um, was it Warner? I can't remember now which, which label it was. And she was really good. Wow, what a singer-songwriter. She was like our, our uh, Ron Hines. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know the Village Voice a number and of of uh, cultural magazines would say that she was, uh, uh, you know, the female Bob Dylan, Leonard Cohen, all of those all wrapped up, and she would have made it big. Mm. It's like her record label wanted to fem her up, and sure. it didn't work. That's, that's it not, that's didn't not. work. Oh man, yeah. it was so wrong. No. It was such a bad fit. But anyways, I knew her music for years. Mm -hmm. And you know, going to women's music festivals and and you know, in the queer bookstores, her music was always there. And all my, you know, all my queer friends knew Farron and mm -hmm. her music. But uh, a few years ago, well, I guess it would be about 12 years ago, uh, Peggy, my partner, her cousin had a house fire in BC and two of her children died in the house fire. Mm. And Suzanne used to sing Farron's songs to the children, to her children. It was a tragedy, it was an awful, awful tragedy. And Farron has a house on Saturna, on an island off, the, off uh, Vancouver, uh, off BC. And so Suzanne knew that we knew of Farron's music, and she sang one song in particular to her children uh, that I've never been to Africa, but she changed the words a little bit when she would sing it to the kids. So she contacted us and she said, there was gonna be a funeral back here in St. John's, and she said, um, do you think you can contact Farron for me and ask her if she minds if I sing it at the funeral and where I change the words? And I said, sure, of course. So I found a way to get to Farron and and I told her that the funeral was going to be in St. John's, and Farron said, oh, well, I'll come and sing the songs wow. for her. Mm. But she thought it was at St. John's Church in Vancouver. <laughs> and I said, oh, now Farron, this is in St. John's, Newfoundland. She said, oh. And I said, well, listen, if I can find a way of getting you here, mm. will you come? Mm. And so uh, 
Air Canada, through Paul Lannan, donated two tickets for mm -hmm. Farron and her partner, and they came. They stayed with us for two weeks. They sang at the funeral, and Farron saw my left breast, mm -hmm. and I said, you want to make a film together? She said, what do you want to make a film about me for? <laughs> I said, Farron, you have touched the lives yeah. of so many people, and so many people who don't know you. I know, for dummies like me, who, 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 who yeah. should, like, should know who this person is. Like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we did. Yeah. And you know, I was going to, like I interviewed Jane Sibbery, I interviewed um, uh, Mary Gaucher, mm. I interviewed a number of people uh, to talk about Farron, and then you know what I thought? Nah, just Farron. Yeah. Just Farron. Yeah. Just Farron. And that's what it is. It, and you know, it was Peg and I with one camera. Yeah. One camera. We did a, a concert show. And then when we were in Vancouver, though, we, uh, two people volunteered oh, and did some uh, shooting. But yeah. I don't know how the hell we did that with just one camera. Uh, do you, the, 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 these future projects you got coming up, you think uh, you're going to peg on, peg on cam behind the camera again? I don't know, maybe, but... <laughs> What, we're, what I'm looking at is a, a film called Me, Mom, Megan, Me, Mom, Peg, and Morgenthaler. Okay. And when Peg and I got together mm -hmm. almost 30 years ago now, holy shit. You know, I never ever thought I'd have any kind of long-term relationship, and I don't know if I ever wanted one. And we've been together now 30 years almost, 28 and a bit, 28 and a half. Um, but when Peg and I got together, I had... Uh, I was in Montreal and she was living here. I eventually moved back here and Peg was running the Morgenthaler Clinic, mm. the local abortion clinic, mm -hmm. and my mom was president of Right to Life. Wow. So, you know, <laughs> all my films really are about love yeah. and resilience. Mm -hmm. Not superheroes, but... In their own way, though. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so this is a film about love yeah. you know so here's my mom the president of right to life here's Peg Norman the manager of the Morgenthaler clinic Peg calls me on a Saturday at Jerry I just had to call the police on your mom because oh. mom's out there protesting and you know they grew to love each other and mm. to somehow somehow reach across all those chasms and I was going to do that film uh, and it's a narrative. Mm -hmm. And I was going to do it, then I was diagnosed with breast cancer, so you know, I, I had to put that on the shelf. And then I felt, you know what? Abortion, you know, it's, the time has passed on that. And now I think the time has not passed. No. We're at a crossroads, and we're in dangerous times, and mm -hmm. a lot of the rights that we have gained, our rights are never given to us. They're hard, hard won. Mm -hmm. We work so hard for them. And we have to be vigilant. And um, we're at a, at a place where we can lose ground. Even when we look at COVID and, and what has happened in the recession and how it's have affected women, it's affected women so, so much more than men and in such made women even more vulnerable again. So we have to, um, so that's what I'm looking at. And I'm, and I'm not sure if it's a short, uh, a limited series mm -hmm. or if it's a feature length. 
at first I thought, you know, this is a feature film. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe a short, like a limited series, like a, a six episode or something. I don't know. So I've been playing with it. Well, uh, you know, I, I can't wait for when it happens. Um, yeah, and I, I just want to thank you again for sharing your time with us, sharing your films with us, these, these stories that we're talking about. They're so beautiful. So happy people will get to see them uh, after a few years. Um, to wrap up, though, I'm going to ask a question that I, and I, I stole this from my coworker, Sandy. Yeah. Thank you, Sandy. Um, which I'm going to end every episode with, what's your favorite film? Oh, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> no, I, I'll, I'll believe anything. <laughs> Moonstruck. Oh, Moonstruck's so, Moonstruck so, Moonstruck's lovely. I love Moonstruck. <laughs> but also, I loved, I loved the sound of music. And, mm -hmm. you know, before it became like, it, before it became like the, the campy thing that it is, Peg and I, so this would be 30 years ago, we would reserve it at Video Inc. Mm -hmm. here in the, you know, center town. And it would come in two, two uh, double double VHS, yeah, 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 yeah. And every every Christmas, we Christmas Day, we do it, and we knew all the words, right? That we knew all delightful. the words, we knew all the songs, and that was over thirty years ago. Like a lot of people do that now, and uh, then we bought our own DVD copies. But Moonstruck, I think Moonstruck is the perfect film. Yeah, great film, great answer. Uh, so you know, if anyone's if anyone's at home watching your films on our website, when they're done, they should go uh, watch Moonstruck somewhere. I don't know if it's available. Yeah, <laughs> so I always say watch it with it. someone you love. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Jerry. Really appreciate your time. Today. Thank you, and I can't wait to see your work. Jerry. Oh, it, it, yeah. one day. <laughs> okay, thanks. Thank you so much, Jerry, for the interview. It was such a privilege to be able to speak with you. Like I kind of said in the interview, you know, I remember seeing some of Jerry's films on TV when I was younger and, and it really kind of, kind of blowing my mind that someone could, you know, make a film in that way. So yeah, it was really inspiring for me at the time and it was a, a, a real pleasure to be able to speak with her again as she's sort of um, re-entering filmmaking. So yes, thank you so much, Jerry. Uh, a couple, oh, I should also say thank you to our friends at NIFCO for uh, uh, helping us uh, find some, source some of these films. Uh, uh, so thank you, Anna, Byrne, and Steve, all over uh, NIFCO. And uh, thank you, Paul Pope, Pope Productions, who produced My Left Breast and who gave us permission to show that film as well. Um, couple plugs for the nickel. Uh, we have our 48 hour horror challenge coming up later in the month. So I would head on over to our Facebook page if that's something that interests you, super fun. Next week's episode, we'll actually uh, kind of be focusing on that. So yeah, uh, it's one of our biggest events and it's a, it's a total blast. So you should do it. And oh, I should also say that if you are listening to this, the week that it comes out on October 14th to 18th is the St. John's International Women's Film Festival. Um, an incredible festival, great films, uh, great panels, always just, just you know, top notch. So uh, I, I'm, and I'm sure this festival, which I think is mostly, with some exceptions, mostly online this year, uh, is, will be uh, no exception. I'm sure it's gonna be fabulous. So I would strongly encourage all of our listeners and viewers to go check that out. Um, but yeah, with that, uh, thank you so much for tuning into our first episode. Really excited about this project. And we will see you next week 
at the movies. I can't really, that's Roger Ebert. I'll think of a better sting for next week. Thanks everybody.